you can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. We are about finished. We're getting ready to kick off our Christmas series. And so today uh, we are giving the last installment of our series uh, that is entitled Refresh. So um, just by way of recap, it's been, I think, a wonderful series. Uh, it's really a series designed to help us to have good spiritual and emotional health. As I've said in previous weeks, uh, we kicked off the series talking about the importance of spending time alone with God in constant prayer so that your soul can be replenished, that you might not find yourself at a point in time in your life where you're running on empty in your emotions and spiritually you're dry. Uh, we talked about in week number two, we talked about starting over because we said in that message that inevitably in life, sometimes we will fail. We will make mistakes and that God is still with us. Even in those moments, God want us to get up and get back in the fight. God don't want you knocked out. God don't want you staying down for the count. When you fail, get up, repent, go back to God, get back in the fight and you keep going with life. And last week, we talked about overcoming bad relationships because one of the things that can really put a damper on things are our relationships. And so Jesus wants us to be free of relationships. And we talked specifically uh, in that message, we talked about how to love our enemies toward relational freedom. We overcome evil by doing good. This is the call. This is who we are. And if we operate in those principles, then our life would be so much more the better for it. And today I want to talk about this subject of worry because I cannot escape or talk about a series like Refresh when it deals with spiritual and emotional health without talking about worry. I know that at some point in time in your life, uh, the spirit of worry will come knocking at your door. And some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because life has a way of showing up in ways that we don't always expect. Uh, this is a faith journey. Jesus says the just shall live by faith. And as a consequence of that faith, we understand that there are going to be things that happen in our life that, that, um, that we're not expecting. And some of these things that happen does affect our spiritual and emotional health. And we want to talk about that today because um, I believe that God wants us to be at a place in our life that no matter what happens in our life, that we still find joy in loving Jesus. That, that whatever happens in our life, that we don't get to a point in our life where we get depressed, where we settle down and we be bogged down with all these negative uh, emotions. Um, as I talk about worry, I, this is a very sensitive subject for me because uh, it is deeply rooted in uh, the generations of my family. And, and I've, I've seen over the years, I've seen people that um, are very, very dear to me, people that I love uh, struggle with worry, anxiety, and even uh, depression. So I do believe that there are some folks who just have a natural disposition to worry. Uh, they're just kind of broken that way, just like all of us are broken in some ways. Some of us are broken in a way that we just tend to, to just, uh, you know, allow ourselves to kind of worry about things. And, and sometimes, in some cases, that worry uh, has taken over to the point that we need to seek professional help. And so some people, uh, they have to go that route. But having said that, I want you to understand that worry is not something that we can flirt with. Because I believe that there are too many uh, people, even God's people, 
that kind of open the door to this thing of worry. And once you open the door to worry, and you've heard me say this before, if you've been with me for a while, worry has a whole lot of other friends. Their friends are depression. Uh, their friends are uh, 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 anxiety. It, it, their friends it, it, it is fear, uh, sickness, disease. Worry kind of opens the door to all of that. And so one of the things that we need to be sensitive about is, and we'll talk about it here in the morning, we'll talk about that here in a moment, but we need to be sensitive about, about how we process life and how it comes at us. Because I said this, and we, we saw a video a, a little bit a, a moment ago, Jesus does not want us to be worried about anything. Now, everybody in here has to believe that. You have to come to a point in your life where you realize that you are not called to worry. You're called to do a whole lot of things, but worry, you are not called to do. Because here's the reality of it. Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble. Did he not say that? But he says we can be a good cheer. Why? Because he overcame the world. And so watch this. So as a consequence of him overcoming the world, we've already got the victory in Jesus. How many know whether we live or we die, we still got victory. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning. And so worry is really, you need to come to a place in your life where worry is not an option for you. Now, I know you're saying, I'm a pastor, that's easy for you to say. Uh, you don't know what I'm going through right now. You, uh, you don't know what I'm experiencing right now. You don't understand the, the, the level of, 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 of problems and circumstances. You know, maybe I don't. But the prescription is still the same. Jesus did not design us to worry. Now, I want you to repeat this after me. Jesus did not design me for worry. I want you to say that. Jesus did not design me for worry. That's why you get sick when you do it. <laughs> That's why the potential for you to get sick happens when, when you do it, because you're not designed for that. You're not designed to carry that weight. And so in Matthew's uh, gospel, chapter number six, Jesus really gives a whole lot of information about life and about how we should deal with issues. And he talks a lot about worry. And this particular passage of scripture that I read a moment ago is so power packed. There's so much information. So I want to just dissect it just a little bit. And, and my prayer is that you would really begin to think about this and there will be a life change whereby you make a new commitment leaving this place that I'm just simply not going to worry. I don't care what it is. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what you face. You can be concerned, but you need to have an attitude. I'm just not going to worry about it. We're going to talk about that here in a moment. Jesus says uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 6, he starts in verse number 25. He says, do not worry. He says, do not worry. You have a choice there. He says, don't worry about what you would eat, drink, and what you would put on, clothing. Don't worry about that because everybody knows that's kind of like what everybody is focused on in this life. Now, I want to define worry here for a moment. Uh, worry is to give way to anxiety. In other words, to open the door to it, all right? To let it come in, to give way. When you give way to something, you kind of open yourself up and say, okay, I I'm, I'm going to allow this thing to come into my life. It is to give way to anxiety or unease. It is to allow one's mind to dwell. Everybody say dwell. It is, it is, it is to allow one's mind to dwell 
on difficulty or troubles. It's kind of like when you stay there, whenever the problem is, you're stuck there to the degree that you can't do anything else, you can't think about anything else, and your life, and you're stuck in this rut, and you're not moving forward. You're worried, and it's to the point where it's consumed you. That's when you know that you're at a place of worry. As I said a moment ago, Jesus is not saying that we are not to be concerned about caring for our families and those kinds of things. The idea is that, that these issues don't consume us because our life was not given for us, was not given to us just for the sake of, watch this, of food, clothing, and shelter and your 401k. Are y'all listening to what I'm saying this morning? He says, don't worry. See, he says, don't worry. Jesus wants us to, to understand that life itself is much more important in verse 25. Life itself is much more important than food and clothing. Now, you understand something here that when people don't properly value life, and this is one of the uh, things that uh, believers have, problems we have with things like uh, abortion and those kinds of things, because the reason why we're so against abortion, because we understand that, th that, that the gift of life is just a wonderful gift. It, it, it is, it is it, I mean, we humans, out of all of God's creation, we were created and made in the image of God. Only you. So that means that, that, that your life is precious. It's an incredible, it's an amazing gift, and nothing surpasses it. It is the greatest gift that God has ever given, and that is the gift of life. And so Jesus said that he wants us to understand that, 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 that your life is more important than things. And how many know what happens to people is they put a too much value in things, then sometimes people will, will, will even, uh, they devalue life to the degree that they were even thinking about ending, think about ending their lives. Because they don't understand or fully process or they allow themselves to get to a place in life where they're just overcome with just all the stuff of the troubles of this world. But Jesus said this in Luke chapter 12, 15. I want you to think about this for a moment. He says, a man's life does not consist in the abundance of things that he had. Now, you know, a lot of people live their life and they define their life by what they have. Right. I mean, they are defined by where they live, their address. They are defined, many people, by their bank account, right? And, and, so, and so people define themselves by possession. This is why sometimes when people lose that stuff, then they, they start to say things like, I, I, I don't know what, what, what they live for. But how many know Christians know exactly what they live for? Because we were created for God's glory. Look at your neighbor and say, you were created for God's glory. You were created to serve him. You were created to worship him. You were, you were created to reflect his glory. You are his prized possession. You're precious in his sight. And how many know, church, we need to stop living for, get this now, we need to stop living for things. Y'all hear what I'm saying this morning. We use things in order to advance who we are in God, and to reflect his glory in the earth. But we don't live for things. Kind of like one of those things I say sometimes, I, one of those statements I say, we don't, we don't uh, live to eat, but we eat to live. How do we know that a lot of people got it twisted today? Y'all know what I'm talking about. We don't live to eat, but we eat to live. It is about the precious life that God gives us. Jesus goes on to say in verse number 27, and this is uh, such a practical verse, 
And he tells you, just in case you're one of those that's kind of thinking to yourself, man, I, I like the worry. That anybody, let's be honest, that anybody ever came to a point in your life, a place where you just feel like, you know what, I just want to worry about it. I mean, really. I mean, you just, that something, the devil, something that, 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 that says, to you, man, you know, I just need to just, I just need to just, you know, I, I feel better if I worry about it. Yeah, I, mean, I know some folk like that. They, 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 think, they think that's what they tell themselves. But Jesus is telling us that you cannot add one cubic, an inch, a day, a minute, a second, anything to your life by worrying. He's saying worrying is of no value to you whatsoever. That's what he's saying. He's saying to worry. He says, so which of you, verse 27, which of you can add one cubic to your life? I, you know, I, which of you by, by worrying can make things better? How many of you can say to me today, the pastor, I worried about it and it just gets, it gets better when I worry about it. Nobody going to say that. Of course not. Jesus is telling you because the opposite is true. Worry can kill you, literally. Worry has the potential to kill you. For those who think they need, need worry, Jesus make it clear that it's not good for your health. He goes on to say, in, in verse number 32, and I want you to get this now, because some of you, you you're going you're gonna to have things happen to your life. You're going to receive news in your life, and you're going to get something, and, and, and man, and all of a sudden, man, that thing going to try to jump up on you, man. Worry going to try to, it's not, it's not to say that you ignore the reality, it's just that you just choose to think differently about it. You just choose to just focus on something that is greater, something that is bigger, and something that is better, because this is your life. And this is the gift that God has given us. And Jesus says in verse 32, he says, watch this. He says now, uh, in verse number 32, he says, for, for in this, all the Gentiles, this is what they live life for. All the Gentiles, meaning all those who are outside the covenants of God, who are, these are folks who are not saved or who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. He says, for all these things, the Gentiles seek. What is the Gentiles seeking? They live their life based upon things. What, what money I got, what food, clothing, all that where I live, that to them is everything. But he says, you are different. Look at your neighbor and say, you're different. You got to believe that. You're different. You see, when you get this revelation, let me tell you something, church. It will change you significantly. It will change the way you look at life. It will change your demeanor. It will change your emotions. Gentiles, unbelievers, this is what they do. They, they think to themselves, and the reason they, 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 they live this way for things is because they are, in essence, living for themselves. They believe they exist to serve their own interests. Unbelievers believe that they exist to worship themselves and, and fulfill whatever they want. Christians know better. We understand we exist to serve God. We exist for his pleasure. You see the difference? We understand that. So for us, if we all, first of all, we already know that the, the Bible said the meek shall inherit the earth. How many know that we already own it all anyway? Y'all get, get what I'm saying this morning. The Bible said the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. All of it belongs to God. All of it belongs to God, and we are his kids. We're, we're his children. The devil would want nothing more than for you to sit there and be worried, and when you're worried, you are not enjoying your God. You, you are not having a good life. You, when you're worried, you, I actually, I make this argument, that you're actually, you're, you're taking some time off of your life. 
I really believe that. I've come to that place in my life. I mean, I mean, I've gotten to a point. I, mean, I, I got to confess. It took me a while to get there. I, but I just don't worry. I get news and I say, OK, the first thing I do when I get news, when I get something that just kind of happens in my life or that didn't go my way. And and, you know, or, you know, there's some uh, a, a crisis formulating. I just run and take the thing to God. And then if I take it to God, I get up and I just go to the next thing. I don't have time to dwell there. Why? Because worry ain't going to help me at all. It's no benefit. Jesus already told me I am not going to benefit from worry. So why do it? Why, 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 why do it and then invite all their buddies, sickness, disease, fear, doubt, unbelief. Then how many know if you're not walking in and in, 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 if you're walking in fear, you're not walking in faith. Come on, church. How many know that the Bible said the just shall live by what? Faith. So we got to live by faith. So you know what? I, I, I can't live by faith and be worrying at the same time. If I'm worrying, I'm not walking by faith. I, you can say what you want. You can tell me. You can try to spiritualize it. I'm telling you right now, if you're worrying, you're not walking by faith. Switch it up. Make a decision. I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to make a choice. And you might sound crazy. You might look crazy. And some people might think, look at you and say, what is up with you? You just say, look, brother, I've learned. I, my God is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. I choose to dwell on that. I don't want to dwell on the other stuff because life is too short and this life is precious. And how many know we want to make sure that we live it to the fullest? Another thing Jesus says here in verse 32, he says, your heavenly father knows that you have need of all these things before you ask. <laughs> oh, do y'all all, all love that, that verse? He says, Jesus saying that, he's like, I don't want you where he goes through this whole thing. He tells the disciples, he tells everybody who's listening, he's preaching the Sermon on the Mount. He said, I don't want you to worry about things. He said, don't do it. Don't open a door to it. It's not going to help you. It's not good for your health. You're not going to add a day to your life. Don't do it. And then he says, and he said, furthermore, he says, and by the way, God, your heavenly father already know exactly what your needs are before you even utter a word. He already knows. God knows. How many know that when you take a need to God, you take a concern to God, that's not God's first time knowing about it. <laughs> He's already aware, aware. The Bible says the hair on your head are numbered. He knows everything about us. He knows he's acquainted with all the intimate details of our life. So there's nothing that, 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 that God doesn't know. And so when we are praying to him, it's about relationship. It's about affirming God that we believe your word. And what God wants us to do is he wants to wean us from this thing of what everybody else do when they, when it's good because you see worry comes in kind of through this thing of self-dependency because you start worrying because you think to yourself, I got to do this. I got to fix this. This is up to me. If I don't do it, if I don't, if I don't, if I don't get off the throne and start trusting in your God. Come on, somebody. Get off the throne and start to, no, God's going to do it. Look at the neighbor and say, God's going to do it. No, in fact, look at the neighbor and say, God got to do it. <laughs> yeah, just say, God got to do it because ain't no way, ain't no other way it's going to happen. God got to do it. This is the attitude that we got to get. Because he said, I already know. So he said, look, he already knows. So could it be that he's allowing us to, to kind of experience some things so that we can know where we really are with him? How many of you have been shocked, thought you were one place in God, and then when something hit, man, you, 
you realize that you weren't where you thought you were. See, it's that part of us that God want to reveal. And sometimes God has to allow us to go through some things so that he can reveal to us, really, so we can, re- so we can understand ourselves, that yeah, I'm really not trusting in God yet. How many know that trusting God must be developed in intentional ways? <laughs> ah, trusting God must be developed in intentional. You got to be intentional about trusting. You don't really know that you trust God until you put it into practice. You don't know that you trust God until you step out on the what? Deep. You don't know. As long as you're sitting in that boat. Oh, come on, church. Some of you love sitting in your boat. Some of you don't like change. I know I'm preaching to somebody in here. I'll leave it at that. Some of us, we don't like change, brother. I just want to stay in the boat. Why? Because I'm familiar with the boat. I, the boat could be sinking, but I would, I'd rather stay in the boat because this is what I know. I'm, I'm comfortable with this. I've been here. I, I, I don't want to get out of I'm afraid. And so the boat is that the boat is you. You will just sit right. They won't even step out. And Jesus is saying, look, come on out here. Come on out here. Come on out here. You, you know, parents, you ever did that to your kid, you know, when they were really small and you tell them jump, you know, you know, you, see, you, you step back, you, you put them on the counter or something. And then they look at, ah, ah, come on, come on, go. Uh, they, they thanking them real, real hard. And then finally they jump. And it's amazing that after the first couple of jumps, what happens? I mean, they're jumping all the time, right? Because, see, see, because they had to first make that first step. Once they made that first step of faith, then it became more routine. Some of you just won't jump. You just want to stay right in that boat and be comfortable. And let me tell you something. You will never experience God's best by being comfortable. God like it when his kids live on the wild side. Y'all know what I mean when I say that. Don't, don't get it twisted. Uh, yeah, I'm not talking about sin. I'm talking about those who are willing to step out into the deep places. Those who are willing to be interrupted. Those who are willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of gaining a greater glory, a greater grace, a further place in God. This is what God does in and through all of us. And so when we worry, then we tend to want to just kind of stay where we're at in a way. I mean, and in some weird kind of way, worry, we kind of wear it like it's a badge of honor sometimes. And, and some people even tell you, you how you doing? Oh, I'm just worried. They even tell you, I'm just worried about this. I'm worried about my kids. You know, I'm, listen, listen, I got kids. I mean, no, kids, kids are test your faith, by the way. They keep you on your knees praying all the time. I'm going to tell you, you don't know prayer until you have some kids, man. They met, boy, they keep you praying, hot, good, glory to God. They'll just keep you on your knees praying. But, you know, here's my line. You just got to give some things over to God. You got to walk in righteousness, seek first the kingdom and walk in righteousness, right? And, and lead the rest to God. I, I've, I've learned that to be a truth. Jesus says, seek first the kingdom. Everybody say, seek first. first. So he says, for you, I don't want, instead of worrying, instead of hanging out with uh, depression and fear and doubt and anxiety and all that, he said, instead of you doing all that, I want you to seek first the kingdom. Now, watch, he's making a covenant. How many know that? How many believe God's word? Come on, you believe God's word. He's making, he's making a covenant. He's telling you. He's like giving you an open book test. How many of you used to like them open book tests in school? I used to love it every time the teacher said open book test. Boy, I was a special, I specialized in the open book. I was good at that. 
Jesus here is giving us an open book test. He said, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. His kingdom, that means his, his way of life, uh, the, the, kingdom, the kingdom way of living. Uh, keep God first. Serve him. Love him. Walk in his love. Walk in his grace. Walk according to his word. Live out the kingdom. Express the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom. Let the kingdom be your focus. And righteousness is the way that we live. See? You seek first the kingdom. That's why instead of worrying, the minute that you, something like that want to come on you, he says, you start being kingdom focused. And he says, and it's righteousness. All right? Live right. Serve him. And then he makes a promise. He said, here's the deal. He says, and all these things shall. And I said that earlier, right? I wanted to get that drive home that point. He says, all these things shall be added unto you. He didn't say they might be added. He said they shall be added. If we put him first. How do we know that, that much of what we're going through, much of the reason why God make us wait, y'all, I want y'all to get this, is because he just wants us to learn how to trust him. And how many know that when you're worrying, you're not trusting, right? Worry is the indication that you're not trusting God. And I've heard people try to, try to rationalize. I've heard medical people talk. I'm saying worry is an indication for the Christian that you're not trusting God. Worry has assumed the position of the throne. And, and if you're not careful, you'll begin to worship there. Worry becomes your place of worship. If you hang out, this is why you got to run from it. This is why you can't run. Because I told you before, if you hang out with worry too long, it will literally kill you. It will kill your life. It will kill any kind of ambition you have. It will worry have the capacity to kill ambition. It, it, it has the capacity to kill the will to live. This is why we just can't camp out with worry. We don't even, don't mess with it. Don't play with it. It's not your friend. Jesus says, if in Colossians 3, verses 1 and 2, if you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind. That's what we want to talk here a moment. We want to talk for a few moments about is your mind. He says, set your mind on things above. Right? That's where your mind, that's where your mind got to be. He says, set your mind. And, and, and I, like, I like some translations, it says, set your affections on things above and not on things that are on the earth. Now, some of you right now, this is, you're, you're, you're thinking about all this other stuff and you're consumed with it, right? Because you're not heavenly minded. See, Jesus says, I will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed where? On me. See? He's our keeper. Not that all your situations are going to be perfect, because I'm going to tell you right now, your, your situations are not, and your circumstances will not be perfect. There's a scripture in the Bible that says God causes all things to work together for good. You know, when he says all things, he's talking about the stuff in your life that's messed up too. <laughs> and that's, that's what I mean. He causes all of it to work together for good. So let's talk about the mind just for a moment. The, the point, church, of that, that is that we got to stop living like earth is our final destination. Let me say that again. Stop living like earth is your final destination. I know theologically you know it to be true, but practically we don't always live it out. So we're talking about how we live now. So we got to stop living life like earth is your final destination. Have a heavenly perspective. Put God first. Think about the things of the kingdom. Worship him. Love him. Seek him. 
Include him. Bring him into your space, every aspect of your life. Don't leave him out of any corner of your life, but let him have reign in every aspect, every corner of your life. That's what we call kingdom living right there. And Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, he says this as it relates to our minds, because our mind is kind of like the gateway. You got to guard your heart. You got to guard your minds. Here in Proverbs 4, 23, it says, keep your heart, your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. That's the, the, NIV, the NIV version says, guard your heart. Uh, the New King James version says, keep your heart. And it's the same uh, same concept. It's about guarding, protecting. When you think about the, whether you want to go to some places, like, for example, if you go to museums in D.C. and different places and, you know, throughout the country, they have these places where they have security guards there and they're, they're standing guard. And, uh, you know, or if you go into, like, my workplace where I work, for an example, uh, we have uh, guards that are guarding the desk. And, and when somebody don't have proper access uh, they are not allowed to get in. So you have to have an, uh, a proxy card to be able to access my building. And so we have guards so that, that are standing by all around the building. So if you try to come into my place of employment, there would be somebody there to challenge you, to stop me and say, no, you can't come in here. And the reason why is because we want to make sure that only the right things come inside the building. How many know that we need to guard our hearts? See, the idea of when you guard your heart is what you're saying, you must say this, that worry has no authority here. I'm not going to give you access. Come on. Y'all know what I'm saying. I'm not going to give access. I'm not going to let worry. I'm not. I'm going to stand guard. I'm not going to let worry. I'm not going to let doubt. I'm not going to let unbelief. I'm not going to let you in. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to guard my heart. I'm not going to let anything into my mind, anything into my heart that will cause me to be disturbed and distracted from my relationship and my calling with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Are y'all getting what I'm saying this morning? I don't want any distraction, so I'm going to guard my heart. I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to be very careful. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to tell worry, access denied. Look at your neighbor and say, access denied. Come on, say it. Say it again. Say, access denied. See, that's what you guess what you got to do. You got to say every time worry want to come knocking on your door, every time you hear worry coming like this. And, you know, you know, how worry come, worry come. They don't even they don't even knock lightly. You know, when worry come knocking, worry come with, with authority, don't it? When worry come, with, that's how worry comes knocking at your door. So when worry come, you got to say this. You got access denied. I like that. Access denied. Every time worry try to come knock, I, I'm not, I'm I'm not going to let you in. I'm going to stand guard. That's the idea here because he says out of it, out of your heart, out of your, your life springs the issues of life. So your heart is the seat of who you are. So whatever you feed, watch this church, whatever you feed your heart and mind will dictate the pace of your life. You get that. So whatever you feed yourself with, whatever you allow yourself to dwell on, will feed the pace of your life, whether it's good or whether it's bad. So you want to guard your heart because out of it flows the issues of life. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 and 5, takes it a step further. It says, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every, every thought. That's amazing. He said, and bringing every thought 
every thought. In other words, don't let nobody escape. Don't, 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 don't let no evil, ungodly thought, passion, I mean, every challenge, every ungodly, every, every thought into, into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Because how many know your mind can run rampant if you let it? He's though we walk in the flesh, our fight is not in the flesh. How many know this is a spiritual battle? I really believe that worry and depression, all that, this roots is spiritual. Right? So we do, not, we do not war, even though we're in the flesh, our warfare is not of the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare is spiritual. We pull down these strongholds. Now what is a stronghold? Strong, how, how do strongholds get built up? Strongholds get happen because somewhere along the way, we allow these things that come into our mind, to come into our heart, to the degree now it's, it's become a stronghold. Now it, it's almost like it's, it's like a, it, it's residing, it wants to reside permanently in your mind. And we call it a stronghold. It's hard to break. But how many know that we can break it in Jesus Christ. You can break that stronghold of worry. You can break that stronghold of depression. You can break that thing in the name of Jesus because greater is he that is in us than he that is, that is in the world. But he says, here's what we do. We pull down these strongholds. How do we pull these strongholds down? Pastor, how do we pull these strongholds down? He tells us by casting down thoughts and imaginations. All right? That exalts himself against the knowledge of God. So I don't even want to imagine wrong thinking. You know what I'm saying? You know, you know some of us, you know, we, you know how we are. We're human, right? And sometimes we imagine, oh, you just, you just sit back and you imagine, oh, my life is just going to go down. Oh, I'm not going to make it. Oh, I'm going to die. Oh, I don't know. And you just start going there and, and you know, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to be able to pay my bill. Oh, my, you know, I'm going to lose this. I'm going to lose that. And then you just start thinking and you start imagining all of that. And, and, and how many know you don't even know what the future holds? You don't even got any, no, you know, just because, how many know, whose report you going to believe anyway? I mean, what Really? Whose report will you believe? I mean, honestly, I mean, who, who do we want to believe? I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just telling you something, church, that we need, to, we need to pull down these thoughts and these imaginations that don't complement the word of God. And, and, and we need to pull down these thoughts and imaginations that, that, that contradict what God says, like things like when God says, by his stripes, I am healed. I just like to walk around and say that. I like to walk around and say, hey, I'm the head, I'm, 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 I'm not the tail. I like to say I'm above, I'm not belief, beneath. I just kind of like to live that way. I like to live in a way that suggests that my God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that I could ever ask or think. I like to kind of live that way that he is with me wherever I go. So I don't have a whole lot of time. My God will supply all my need according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. If you put the same amount of energy in that than you do in believing all the negative, wrong stuff, your life will be so much better. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying, church? So all that energy that you put in, think about it, boy, it takes a lot of energy to worry. All that energy. Man, use it, man, to, to just think about the goodness of the Lord. Like he says, and this is a... This is Philippians. I'm almost done here. In Philippians chapter 4, he says here in Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 and 9, Paul said this. And this, in the new, this is a New Living Translation. Um, I, I love it because I, I just love it the way the New Living Translation puts it. I think it's just right to the point. I think it, it gives the, uh, the real sense of what the verse is all about. It says, don't worry about anything. <laughs> well, y'all get that? Don't worry about anything. Now, I, I said this before because y'all know what the prison epistles are, right? Um, 
prison epistles, uh, they believe it's Colossians, Ephesians, uh, Philippians, and I believe it's Philemon, I believe, are the four prison epistles. This, but Paul wrote this, and Paul says, don't worry about anything. Can I tell y'all where Paul was at? He was in prison. How many know that that would probably be a place that you'd be concerned about some things, right? Paul was locked up. Watch this, church. Ain't really commit no crime. He just out there preaching the gospel and serving the Lord. I mean, at least from a, from a kingdom perspective, he's doing exactly what God told him to do. Here he is. He's in prison. He's locked up. And you would never know that Paul was in jail until he told you in a couple places. He mentioned it, but you would never know by his attitude. Here he is preaching about, about having joy. He says, don't worry about anything. Well, well Pastor, I got to worry about something. <laughs> he said, no, don't worry about anything. What about... The what does anything mean? This brother, you listen, right? The camera person right here, he says, anything means anything. He said, don't worry about anything. You mean to, I can't even worry about my kids? I mean, I can't even worry about, he said, don't worry about anything. What about my health? Don't worry about it. What about my husband? Don't worry about any. What about my job? Don't worry about anything. Anything means anything. But watch. He said, instead, pray about everything. There it is right there. See? He said, instead of worry. Remember I told you earlier, I've learned this, and y'all need to practice this if you don't do it, that any time that you sense yourself wanting to dwell on the negative, then that's the moment that you need to go to prayer. And you need to, you need to pray. Watch it. He says, he says, instead, pray about everything. So, how do you know everything means what? Everything, y'all can work with me. Everything means what? Everything. He said, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Watch this, church. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. That's what he's saying. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to worry about it, anything. He said, instead, I'm going to pray about everything. I'm going to take it to God in prayer. And then I'm, I'm going to tell God while I'm in prayer, I'm going to tell God what, what he needs, what I need. And then I'm going to thank him for all he's done. Right there. That's your recipe right there. That's how you deal with worry. He says, then you will experience God's peace. Isn't that amazing? There it is. He's telling you, he's, I'm going to get God's peace. Don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then peace is going to flood your souls. How many of you want God's peace? He says, God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. I, I, want, I, mean, I'm, I want that kind of peace, right? That kind of peace that exceeds anything that you can ever understand. That mind-blowing peace. That kind of peace that even in the midst of what you're going through, yet there's something in your soul that said, it is well. Y'all ever heard that song? It is well with my soul. No, no matter what, it's well with me. It's, it's well with my soul because his peace has guarded my hearts and minds as you live in Jesus Christ. Verse 8, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing, Paul says, fix your thoughts on what is true, what is honorable, look at this church, what is right and what is pure, what is lovely and admirable. Think about these things that are excellent, worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learn and receive from me. Everything you heard from me, Paul is saying, and you saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. In other words, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, understand that if you do these things, the God of peace 
will be with us. Now, now I want to focus on this one little part here because it, it, it says that, it talks about fixing your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovable, admirable. In other words, he's, he's uh, having a mindset where he's just kind of driving out the negative. And, you know, for me, in other words, to me, when, it, when, it, when he named all those things, I think of Jesus. Because how do you know that Jesus is what? Is Jesus true? Is he honorable? Is he right? Is he pure? Is he lovable? Oh, come on, church. He, he, he's all of that, right? He's admirable. So for me, I'm going to fix my thoughts. I'm going to fix my thoughts on Jesus. I'm just going to, man, I'm just going to fix my thoughts there. That's what Paul is saying. And, and Paul is saying because the exchange for that is peace. And why would anybody in here not want peace? Some of you right now, Pastor, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm worried about this. I don't like this situation. I'm bothered about this and I'm bothered about that. And, and I don't know what's going to happen. In my life. Yeah, you don't know. But here's what you do know. You do know that God is, God is in control of your life. And, and you do know that the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by God. If you're walking with him, you do know that much. And you do know this. However, however it turns out, ultimately it's going to be for my good. That I know. So with that, that's all I need. I'm good. Devil can't do nothing to me. He really, come you know the enemy, the enemy really can't hurt us. He really can't. I mean, he, he intimidates you. He wants you to think he can hurt you, but he can't. You got to, you got to give him that territory. You got to give him that. Don't, don't give it to him. When Jesus says, when Jesus said this in John 14, 27, he says, my peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled and don't you be afraid. Don't be scared. Have you know fear is not of God. Don't be scared. Don't be afraid. Jesus leaves us peace. Satan wants us to worry. He sends messages. I can go into a story that happened to me years ago. But it was as if Satan was on the other end of the phone, boy. And it was, and I remember I was all worried. This was, this was back when we got our first house. I think it was back in 19, we bought our first place, 1995, 94, we bought our first place, somewhere in there. I know, whatever. Somebody, watch yourself. Uh, yeah, but uh, it was a little bit back in the day, and I remember this lady just got on the phone, and, and she was threatening me and all this stuff because you know, I still had college loans, and, and uh, you know, and I wasn't always timely. I just got out of school. My wife and I just got out of school, so we had so much college debt, and, and so we was trying to get our first house, and this lady got on the phone, and she was threatening me. You're, you're not. And I'm telling her, her voice to all change, and it's like, I mean, her voice, I mean, it sounded demonic. I'm like, oh, my. And, and then when she hung up the phone and it was like, man, and I was and she was telling me what, what somebody, nobody's going to give you a loan. Nobody going to do this. Nobody tell you give me all yours. Yada, yada. And she went in all that. And so uh, and I'm, I'm all, Ooh. so I called the loan company. I said, so are we going to be approved? She says, who told you? Who, be, who told you that? She said, well, I, I just I, I just got on the phone with this other lady, you know, who, you know, we got caught. And, and she said that that no loan company is going to approve. She said, no, I'm looking at your stuff. You will get approved. And I, but I wish I could tell y'all I was in faith before I made that phone call to that lady. I was scared to death. I was like, huh? because I heard a word and I went into worry. How many know that's what the enemy wants you to do? Because when you start worrying, you make foolish decisions. You make rush decisions. You, you start operating out of fear and, and rushing and not operating out of faith. It'll hurt you. 
So Jesus wants us to do this. In 1 Peter 5, 7, cast all I care upon him, for he cares for us. I want every head to be bowed right now and every eye closed this morning.